Hello and welcome to the Back to Work Connect podcast. I'm Gina Oglesby, CEO of Back to Work Connect, an education and employment career hub designed to get returners and career changers back to work. In each episode, we will discuss topics that are important to you, including financial well-being, mental health, and the supports available to help you get back to work. In this episode, we are joined once again by Neef de Burka, founder and CEO of Sprout Brands, to discuss starting your own business. You're very welcome, Neve. Thanks, Gina. So today we're going to discuss starting your own business, uh, what financial supports are available and financial considerations that people need to have before they start. So if somebody has a good business idea, where should they begin? Starting your own business is, is so exciting. It's really exciting. And we, we, you know, we can get a bit wrapped up in the excitement of, of our new venture. So in general, the businesses that succeed are those where the founder or founders have a true passion for what they're doing because it's not a smooth journey as we both know. So you, you come across businesses where someone has a business idea, but it's not necessarily in their field of expertise, or you come across other people who really know their business. They know the background and it, it sets them up well for a successful business. But it doesn't mean if I was to open a, I don't know, a takeout, um, it doesn't mean that I couldn't possibly make it a success. Before you even consider it, the first thing that I would always say is take out a paper and pen and write it down. Write out a high level plan. What is it that you're going to do? You need to flesh out really what the product or service that you're offering is. Sometimes you might see a whole big vision of you're selling a shop with, uh, you have a shop and you're selling a hundred different items, but start small. You know, that's, that's five to 10 years down the line when the business has grown. So you need to, set out how you're going to get to the end goal from a time and money point of view. So start at a high level and then slowly over time, you can go move to a more granular level. It's important not to be too emotive about your business as well. And you need to be open to the idea of change. So I did hear somebody say once, oh, my business is my baby. And, you know, if if you're too emotive about things, you can you can make decisions that aren't necessarily the right decision. We need to understand the target market. So again, that would be that would be sitting down pen and paper. And then I would talk to your local enterprise office. Engage with them early. They have amazing supports from mentors through to training, you know, start your own business courses. They have um, supporting vouchers to help you get your business up online, but just a huge amount of support. So really what you're doing there is you're getting yourself into the ecosystem and getting advice right from the get-go to help you, to help every next step be the right next step. So you said, Neve, that having a good idea is the starting point. But what about cash? What about cash flow? What about money? Um, we know all businesses take money to get going and everybody needs you know, money to keep the roof over their head. So what type of supports are available there? Yeah, absolutely, Gina. And, you know, the advice that's often given to founders is that everything takes twice as long and costs twice as much than you think it will. So, it, it, you know, it is about managing managing cash flow. It's a critical point to making a business successful. So firstly, I mean, there's phenomenal supports out there from local enterprise office, social welfare, through to Enterprise Ireland, through to private investors, depending on what you're working on. So if we were to look at social welfare in the first instance, if you are on social welfare payments, such as Job Seekers Benefit, you can actually um, apply for the back to work enterprise allowance. So this actually allows you to keep 100% of your social welfare for the first year and then 75% in the second year. So it gives you that space 
to have the continual cash flow into the household and focus on the business. And then, of course, that would increase for um, if you have qualified children and adults. In addition, if you are eligible for the back to work enterprise allowance, there's also additional benefits that you might also be eligible for. And they amount to 2,500 over a 24 month period to, you know, maybe uh, support you with company stationery, insurance, you know, very valid, valid things that you need to get your business up and running. Then the local enterprise offices, there's 31 of them across the country. They offer numerous financial supports from business grants, supporting the day-to-day running. If you need to go to trade shows, there's all sorts of financial supports there, depending on what your business is. Then if you're lucky enough to be developing an idea or a concept that could potentially be internationally tradable, you could potentially be looking at hiring maybe up to 10 employees at the end of three years then Enterprise Ireland might be your space and they have a number of entrepreneur programs and financial supports along the way. So there's the New Frontier programs, which help you in phase one, help you develop the concept through to phase two, you know, developing it further. And then they have the pre-seed fund now at the moment. There's also like there's incubators and accelerator programs all across the country, no matter where you are. So I think once you're, you're in that startup ecosystem, you find out about all the other supports that are there. Gina, one of the most important things for somebody who's starting their own business is to create a network of fellow people who are also going on that journey because it's just invaluable to be able to say, I'm having a bad day, things aren't working out. What did you do in this situation? But that network and that peer group, that it's just, it's invaluable. So, so find people who are also starting their own business. Yeah, no, I totally agree, Neve. Uh, the network is super important. Um, but as you and I both know that the supports, the New Frontiers, Enterprise Ireland and the local enterprise office are definitely your first place to start. Um, we've both had experience with, you know, different ranges of all the supports and it is what helps you get your business to the next stage. Um, but let's say um, we're lucky enough to be in a position where we do get funding from one of these um, agencies. How do we start by managing our cash flow when we're looking at the business? Where do we start? This is vital. You know, you get if you if you get support, it's very important to sit down and, you know, as, as some financial advisors say in relation to your personal monies, you know, give give each euro a name. It's the same principle that you apply to your business. It's about planning ahead. Always plan ahead. It's not this there might be ten thousand euros in the account now. And you may be expecting sales coming in, but that does not mean that you get to pay yourself 5,000 this month. It's about planning ahead. So think about how much money do I need in my account to last for three months if no more money comes in? And, you know, not everybody's great at finances as well. There's another startup called GetSota.com, which I use, and it's great for projecting forward. So can I afford to buy that new computer this month? Put in the cost and see what your cash flow looks like over three months. It's not about managing the cash flow today. It's a managing the cash flow in three months time. Then think very carefully about costs. It's like with personal spending, you know, as I said, you know, I mentioned the wages there earlier on, but do you need to have that service? Is it a need to have or a nice to have service? You know, it may sound fabulous to be able to sponsor your local kids football team, you know, and see the name of your company on it and be delighted with yourself but do you have the cash flow for it and then weigh up the cost benefit analysis of it what's that going to bring you back in return because if you're not making more than you're putting in that's not a viable spend 
managing stock is key. If you're in the production industry, if you need to hold stock, think very carefully. Like if you think of a number of businesses that may have had huge amount of stock shops, had a huge amount of stock before COVID. And all of a sudden they were left with all the stock and they couldn't shift it because they had no customers. So that stock management is key. And I think one of the things is if you have a number of different lines, say you are in the clothes business and you have a skirt and a top and a pair of socks, don't order in a thousand of each item. Work out what's going to shift and manage that stock because that's a huge resource from a cash flow point of view because you have to you have to pay your supplier, the supplier delivers, and it's only when you shift that stock that you get the money back. So your your cash is, is locked up in that stock. I think one of the things that, that I do as well is to constantly measure your cash flow versus your expectations. So you're kind of setting key performance indicators for yourself. So if you think that you are going to sell 100 items this month, and you don't sell 100 items this month. So say you've said, I'm going to sell 100 items this month and I'm going to sell 200 items next month. And you don't meet the 100 items this month. You're very unlikely that you're going to meet the 200 items next month. So you have to monitor why. Always set your targets. Are you on target? Are you doing the right things? If you're not doing the right things, what needs to be changed? So you're shifting all the socks good and you're not shifting the top. So you need to rebalance and, and just constantly be thinking on your feet. And then I suppose another thing to think about is pricing. Don't price based on cost. Price based on what someone is willing to pay. So you will have, I heard an interesting example there recently of suits being made in a factory. And one was being sold with a Hugo Boss brand and one was being sold with a Marks and Spencer's brand. But you pay an awful lot more. Now, there were, you know, tweaks in it. And I I just use this as an example. But people will pay for quality and pay for perceived advice. So are you selling a premium product or are you selling a fast fast fashion product? And to think about that, if you're selling it on at 10 euros and you could be selling at 11 euros and you're selling a thousand goods a month, you know, that's an extra thousand in your pocket. So just think very carefully about your pricing. They're really great tips, Neve. Um, and I think it all comes down to Planning, 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 doesn't it? Uh, you know, planning everything and being able to for you know forecast your your sales and your cash flow. And you know, it's often you know as we both know for small businesses when they start up, the founder salary is the last thing that gets paid as long as everything else is kept afloat. And being able to see you know your runway and how much money you have to keep yourself going for as long as possible and to be able to spread it as thinly as possible, I think is a, a talent that you know founders definitely need to have so with that you use the word review and monitor a lot so how often should we review our business plan this is key Gina we start our businesses about things that we're passionate about with expectations that we're going to make x amount of money in year one but as a business owner you have to be prepared to flex Mm -hmm. and take the bad with the good ride it out so you know as we start selling whatever it is we'll have to adjust our expectations and assumptions that are wrong. You know, this is the emotive piece. Don't be emotive. Draw a line under things and move forward. But we can only rectify and improve through constant reflection and evaluation. So we've spoken about, you know, how you start your business um, and as the business establishes itself. um, Is there other things that they need to consider? Yes, Gina. Firstly, all the points that we've already discussed 
they're not just for startups. They're throughout life. You know, you, we, we can't sit back on our laurels. You know, cash flow, business plan management, they are key no matter what the stage of the business is. But as the business becomes established, you need to think and plan for other things. Things like, as the business owner, are you the single point of failure for that business? What happens if you get hit by a bus tomorrow? We're financially viable. You should try and build a team around you who can continue to run the business in your absence. You know, hire a team with complementary strengths to your own. But a similar work ethic, I think that's important. Like the work that Back to Work Connect does in the space is invaluable. There's a huge wealth of knowledge and experience that can be lost if people step back from the workforce. So for a returner getting involved in a new business, it's a great fit. It's exciting. It can bring great job satisfaction and great potential rewards as well, you know. Protect your income as a self-employed business owner. So whether it's through a limited company or you're self-employed, if you are unable to work, you're no longer eligible for state support, such as job seekers benefit. So if there is cash flow within the business, consider setting up like an executive income protection plan. And what this will do is this will pay the company an income if you're unable to work and then the company will continue to pay you through payroll. You might consider as well the company paying for death and service benefits. So these are benefits that your business can provide to you to protect you and your loved ones. One of the great things about starting your own business is also for many people, it's the opportunity to really increase your wealth, to grow something that's really valuable. So if you're accumulating cash flow within the business, there may be implications if you leave too much cash within the business. So think about a company pension plan. Think about, you know, when you're when you're no longer going to be working in that company to make sure that there's benefits there for you. And then if you do have, and this is very important, if you do have other co-founders, setting up a shareholders agreement and business life insurance is very important. So we might set up, you and I, Gina, might set up a business together and we, you know, we get on great today and it's fabulous. But five years down the line, frictions may be created. And this unfortunately happens all too often. So by having a shareholders agreement in place from the outset, it's, it's kind of like a prenup protects you when you need it but you write it when you don't think you need it if you have a business partner you need to think about what happens if one of you dies will the business remain viable or would you need to hire someone in to replace that skill set what would happen to their family you know all of a sudden the earnings have gone from from that household is there money there to pass to the family so with a shareholder agreement document the what-ifs so this is you documenting what happens if this happens or any any bad scenario. And then secondly, imp implement the appropriate insurance policies that protects the shareholders. So Niamh, we know that there's lots of different uh, company structures, but the two I suppose that would spring to mind would be, you know, if you are um, a sole trader or if you're a limited company. Is there a difference in the how you're treated with regard to tax and, you know, your PRSI and your USE with the different uh, company structures? Depending on what you're doing, you might choose to be a sole trader. You might have to be a sole trader. So certain things like a solicitor has to be a sole trader so that there can be recourse to them. But over time, it may make sense to become a limited company, an incorporated entity from a cash flow point of view and to protect yourself and your your personal financial affairs. So first of all, if you are a sole trader, after necessary essential costs required for the business, all income 
is liable to income tax and PRSI and USC. So I earn 50,000 euros this year and I don't necessarily need it all. I only need 20, say. I still pay income tax at the marginal rates on the, on the full 50, right? But if there's sufficient cash flow, it might make sense for the business to be incorporated. So I can leave that money within the business. I'm not paying income tax on it. And I can wait and then employ someone next year. So I can build up a reserve to allow me to employ someone next year rather than pay income tax on it. So it can be more tax efficient. So what we commonly see is that people start as self-employed and then over time, as their business grows, they might think about becoming incorporated. So when you say self-employed, people would be become a sole trader. Yeah. Um, and then they would incorporate into a limited company further down the road. If, if the business warrants it, absolutely. Yeah. And so they go to, we'll say their business is doing well and they decide to then incorporate as a limited company. How are they treated then from a an employee point of view? Are they an employee? Are they, you know, are they treated differently to other employees? Is their tax rates different? Yeah, very valid point. So in general, the income tax isn't different. The income tax is the same, but the big difference is the PRSI. And this is the same with a self-employed person, the PRSI. So when you're self-employed, there is no employer PRSI because there, there is no employer. You're self-employed. Um, so you would just pay um, PRSI at 4%. If you're a proprietary director, you pay PRSI class S and the employer doesn't pay PRSI. It's really interesting stuff, Neve. Um, and there's so much to take on board uh, when you're starting a business. Um, and I suppose a lot of it could go over your head when you're so wrapped up in building the dream and building, you know, this potential that you see and this idea that you have. So what would you say is that, you know, your one piece of advice for somebody who's just about to, you know, to get their idea off the ground? The one piece of advice, Gina, that I would give people is to plan, right? Don't get carried away in the dream. Plan it first. Set it all out and constantly, constantly reflect on it. You know, today, Gina, we talked about some high level points, but I really see that, you know, resilient, self-reflecting and driven individuals make successful businesses. Neve, thank you so much for your time today. That was a really interesting topic. Thank you for listening to Back to Work Connect, the podcast. I'm Jean Oglesby, and today we were joined by Neve de Burka, founder and CEO of Sprout Plans to discuss estate management. If you like the Back to Work Connect podcast, you can find us at backtoworkconnect.ie or on Google Play. Thank you to our sponsors, Bank of Ireland, the Begin Together Fund and the Community Foundation of Ireland.